day on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. If you are of a certain age, guaranteed at one time or another, you watched hilarious House of Frightenstein filmed, shot, produced, put together right here in Hamilton at CHCH Studios. And the guy who really drove this show, because that was Vincent Price's voice, famous horror movie actor. That was Vincent Price's voice. And there were other bit characters who were on there. We've had uh, a super hippie in here in the studio a number of months ago. But the guy who drove it was William Allen Van Avera, who you know better as Billy Van. Well, let me tell you something about Billy Van. Billy Van, who uh, sometimes has been kind of forgotten, I guess. Uh, there's a new museum of Billy Van right here in Hamilton that has been put together by Stacy Case, who's a Hamilton resident who I understand is a, well, we'll, we'll, under, we'll let him tell why he's put together a museum for Billy Van, but he joins me now. Stacy, thanks for doing this today. Oh, it's, a, it's such a pleasure to be on the air. Thanks so much for having me. I think that a strong case could be made that Hilarious House of Frightenstein is the most famous show ever made at CHCH. Would you agree with that, first of all? I would agree that uh, Hilarious House of Frightenstein is the most famous show from CHCH. Uh, with party game coming a close second. And the funny part about this, though, and I said this when, and I'm dropping, I'm forgetting his name right now, but uh, Super Hippie, the guy who played Super Hippie. Mitch uh, Markowitz. Mitch yeah. Markowitz, yeah, thank you very much. Great guy. Uh, when he was in here, I said this to him, I'll say it to you. As a kid, I never exactly knew what I was supposed to do with Hilarious House of Frightenstein, <laughs> if it was supposed to be funny or terrifying. Well, there were generations of us that all wanted the same thing. I had my own uh, take on it. Um, I really, like, for me, I didn't know. I grew up in Niagara in the Lake. I, I watched uh, uh, Frightenstein in the morning uh, over an antenna. Yeah, at five thirty, probably on Saturday yeah, morning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would get up Saturday morning. I'd watch the farm, or I'd watch. Uh, I'd watch Static. I'd be so excited. I'd watch Static, and then the National Anthem, <laughs> and then the Farm Report. I can tell you exactly everything I watched, and um, I would just wait for Frightenstein, and I. I think it allowed me to think that horror was okay. Mm. Because when I started watching Frightenstein, I started discovering on Channel 29 and Channel 7 out of Buffalo, I started discovering horror movies in the afternoon. Um, so the whole thing led to me becoming a horror fan. And I'm very grateful for that. Saturdays and Sundays on kids' TV were very different. Saturdays was hilarious House of Frightenstein. You would not, as I say, not really be sure if you were supposed to be scared or laughing. Sundays, you'd get Davy and Goliath, which was a whole different kind of horror. Anyway, yeah. um, it is, It is though, regardless of what you take of it, Hilarious House of Frightenstein was one of the strangest shows that's ever probably been put on the air anywhere. I, uh, there's a, and again, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, it is so special and so unique. And the people that made the show, I've gotten to know so many people that have worked on the show over the last, you know, I've been researching this for like 20 years, 25 years. And uh, they all, they all, you can talk to anyone that worked on the show and they all knew that they were working on something special while they were shooting. None of this happens though. And we're going to get to Billy Van because really, I mean, there were a lot of, pieces that went into this and I mean Igor was memorable and Vincent Price and none of this happens without Billy Van. He was the show. That's right and that's what uh, you know when I started doing research I, I tracked down Billy Van and did an interview with him in 1994 hmm. and he wrote me a thank you letter when the interview got published and that, that letter is in handwritten and it's one of my most cherished possessions. Um, I had him as a guest on my radio show in Toronto doing Frankenstein Radio uh, for a segment. So we, basically, we became, not close friends, but we, but we, we became 
I would consider us to be friendly and friends. And uh, I started working in film and television from 97 to 2002 with the goal of writing a script that I could work with Billy Vance and direct him and write something really great. And when I contacted him to say I was, uh, you know, what I had been doing and, what I, and that I was ready, that was when I found out that he had cancer and he had passed, he passed away within six months. Was there so, one of the characters? Because I think he played he played eight characters on the show, correct? Uh, he was the gorilla, so that makes ten. That makes ten. Okay, uh, the list I had here was that he played the Count, he played Gr- Griselda the Ghastly Gourmet, he played the yep. Wolfman, of course. Yeah. He played uh, the Librarian. Yeah. He played Doctor Petvet, mm-hmm. the Oracle, mm-hmm. and the Gorilla. That's right. There was also the Maharishi, the guy that oh, yes. had the. Uh, Flowers dropped on him. Yes, I forgot about that one. Yes, he was you're right. The gorilla. He was the mosquito that, uh, that <laughs> bit the guy in the foot. And then there's <laughs> one. There's, there's one character that you rarely see. Uh, it's a guy in, uh, or it's Billy in, um, uh, in uniform. And uh, after repeated viewings, it's like I would always really enjoy whenever I saw the mosquito because he would rarely be on the show, and the uniform guy was barely ever on the show so it was super exciting when you got a glimpse of him so yeah it looks like it looks like you did 12 characters doesn't it well so which one of those was there one that was your favorite or that you drew you into this show originally yeah uh, uh I'm, I'm a count fan uh i thought that uh, the count showed uh billy at his at his best because because he was able to ad-lib with igor ad-lib with uh, joe torbay who was the puppeteer doing uh, operating the puppets gronk mm-hmm. grammar slammer and harvey waldanger <laughs> so I, I really enjoyed watching like, I've, I've always enjoyed watching billy doing improv and having talked to him and knowing what i know uh a lot of that stuff there might have been uh, the the outline of a of a loose script of what they were going to talk about but then they just uh winged it I wish I wish I had kept or wish I had brought up before we talked here uh, the clip when I had Mitch Markowitz in studio again who played Super Hippie. He was telling the story. I guess uh, the guy who played Igor and uh, what was the name of the uh, the little person who was the actor on the guy show? Guy Big. Guy Big. Big. And they yeah. apparently were good friends and drove to the show together to filming in a little. Uh, in Igor's VW. In a VW, and the two of them, when they would stop it somewhere along the way, and, and Igor couldn't even get into the car or out of the car, and Guy Big had to jump down out of a seat. Apparently, it was something. It's true. It's true. Okay, so what this show, and, and again, you are not the only person. You're, you're certainly taking it to a new level, but I've talked over the years to so many people who have such fond memories of this show, and yet I maybe it's on somewhere. I mean, there's yeah. a million channels. But I can't find it. There, there's so much stuff, old replays of stupid shows that are on TV. How come this is not on anywhere that we can find these days? I know. Um, so the, the, uh, there was a full set of tapes that a company called Headspinner in uh, Toronto recently acquired the master tapes. For, they've made a partnership with Mitch. Um, the original, the last rights holder, William Alexander, uh, had the rights to uh, the show for 10 years. Those rights reverted back to Mitch when the 10 years ran up. Um, so William had the show on for a little bit in the mid-2000s, and then he worked with Anchor Bay to release a 3D DVD uh, box set. Um, but right now, Headspinner has the rights, and they have uh, issued a press release, so they're talking about possibly doing a reboot. Um, Is that a good idea? In my opinion, 
I leave it. Leave the show alone. Yeah, yeah. You don't. Yeah. Uh, you don't. You don't redo the Wizard of Oz. You don't redo. You know the the shows that are unredoable. I mean, how do you redo? Especially with modern sensibilities and political correctness and everything else, there's just no way you could do this properly. No, it it would be it wouldn't be what it is. No, what it is is so epic and awesome that why would you change it? And grimy and grungy and rough around the edges and all those things that you don't want it to be cleaned up. I don't think. Like I, don't I really think. like. Uh, there's so many little set. Like I can watch that show. There's so many little segments that are so genius. And it ties into Billy uh, and his, like, how he worked in the past. When he was starring on Nightcap on the CBC in the 60s, they had no budget either. So they would do things like um, tape a hand on a wall and say, mountain. And, when, and then the camera would cut to the sign. Well, we can't afford a mountain, but there's a, <laughs> there's a mountain. So that, that kind of idea, that kind of visualizing carried over to Frankenstein. You know, there is no Dracola uh, cola label on the bottle. It's just hand-drawn Dracola. <laughs> uh, uh, many, many signs that Igor holds up. Everything's hand-drawn. I love it. I love that it's low-tech like Exactly. That. And here's the thing. So, so Billy Van, I mean, Hilarious House of Frightenstein is clearly the place where many people would have known him. Party Game, you mentioned, also done in Hamilton here at CHCH, another one that, that really put him in the, the front of people's eyes but there were a lot of different things he did with cbc before that everything else how is billy van not when you consider who is and how many people are how is he not on canada's walk of fame well that is um when i put the billy van museum into play and this book into play uh an, an end result of what i'm doing is um to create a juggernaut of enthusiasm um, and basically wake people up and realize that as fans we have power and our voices can be heard and we can unite around somebody that we grew up and that we love so much and we can petition the Canada's Walk of Fame and nominate him and do everything we can. Like, I'm willing to go and disrupt the organization at, at, at the next... <laughs> like, I'm, I'm quite happy to... Dressed go, as the okay, count. Do it as the count. Bus, yeah, I know. Two busloads of Frankenstein fans show up and start causing a ruckus. It's like I'm cool with that. But it really does. It really does point to the fact that uh, maybe it's because time has gone by. But he is really an underappreciated Canadian. Well, when 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 CBC Radio covered uh, the museum a few days ago, um, two over two hundred thousand people have watched the video of my museum. So there's two hundred thousand people in Canada that know Billy Van, or they wouldn't have clicked on a link. So the, all the signs are there. <laughs> like, wake up, everyone. This guy is loved and remembered across Canada. I've received phone calls from, from everywhere across Canada, emails, Facebook messages saying, way to go, way to go to the museum. We're going to be, I'm coming from Japan. Can I come to see the museum? Uh, can I book it at Christmas time? What are your Christmas hours? Um, everybody loves Billy. What, so tell me about the museum. Where is it? What's in it? Okay. Um, the museum is at 1576 King Street East, just east of Ottawa South. Uh, I found the space on Kijiji. I wasn't looking for it. I just happened to see it. And uh, my, my writing partner, Greg, uh, Greg Oliver, and I, we've been working on the book for the last uh, probably... I pitched him on the idea in 2007. It's taken me 11 years to finally have the time to work on the book properly. So that's what we've been doing for the last six months. I was looking for an opportunity, uh, some way 
it's hard to advertise a book. It's hard to get publicity for a book, uh, especially when you're just working on it. There's nothing to really talk about. So I was thinking, well, you know what? I have all this stuff, and I have all these mementos, and I and the space is so cheap. So I went and looked at the space, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I can do a Billy Van Museum in here. Um, so I contacted Billy Van's daughter, Tracy, and I said, look, I want to start this Billy Van Museum. Do you have any mementos that you can loan the museum for a couple of years? And he said, yeah. She said, yeah, no problem. So I went to Toronto and visited, and man, she's family photos, um, clothing of Billy's, uh, he was the spokesman for Colt 45 doing all uh, print, print ads and television interviews from 1966 to 1978. So I have, uh, I guess Colt 45 would, uh, would send him swag as, his, as the spokesman for their beer. So I have uh, his Colt 45 belt buckle. <laughs> I have uh, letters that he's written. Um, I have albums that I play during the presentation of the Billy Van Four, the Billy Van Singers, uh, the Four Grads, because uh, people don't realize everybody knows him from Frankenstein, but he had a 40-year career in, in entertainment, beginning as a singer and moving on to um, uh, joining the cast and crew of various uh, comedy shows as a second banana. Well, let me jump in here for a second, because I was going to do this at the end, but since yeah. you mention it, the Billy Van Singers, people will not know that Billy Van was part of one of the most familiar TV theme songs of all time. Jacob, yep. hit, hit the music here. Billy Van is singing here. That is the Billy Van Singers and the Lori Bauer Singers. That was done in Toronto years and years and years ago. Who knew That's, that Billy Van was doing that too? Isn't that great? That is. It's I very talk, cool. I've, I've talked to his, uh, when he was on the Sonny and Cher show, I recently interviewed his producer uh, from the Sonny and Cher show, Alan Bly. Alan is uh, an incredible man. He a Canadian that moved to Hollywood. Um, he actually produced Elvis's comeback special in 68 and, wow. won, uh, won, and uh, won an Emmy for it. Um, he moved on into um, um, uh, producing various television shows, and when he needed a uh, second banana for a Sonny and Cher show, his first call was to Billy Van. Uh, they worked together singing jingles starting in the late 50s, so they, they knew each other through singing for a long time. And um, when he moved into, when Billy moved into acting, Alan kept an eye on his career. So as fans, you know, we grew up watching Frankenstein, but as I grew older, I began watching Bizarre. And I began yes, watching other television with Don shows. Biner and Super yeah, Dave and Osborne. What, and who else was on there? Billy Van. Why? Because Alan Bly, his producer from Sonny and Cher that he's known for 20 years, was the producer of Bizarre and the producer of the Super Dave show. So he'd, he'd help out Billy wherever he could. It is, uh, it is a great... Th so, okay, the museum, if someone wants to see it, if they are interested in seeing what you've got there, first of all, I assume if anyone has Billy Van stuff tucked away in their basement, you'd be interested in having it, first of all, yes. or at least borrowing it. Yes. Uh, I have a two-year lease on the museum um, right now, so I have it until May 2020. And, uh, yeah, I'd be, I'm definitely looking for, for, for more. Um, the more, the merrier. So any Frightenstein uh, stuff. And if people want to see the museum, I know you're not open 24 hours a day, seven nope. days a week. If someone wanted to see or go down there or enjoy it, how do they do that? 
Well, the best way to do it is to contact me is if, if you're on Facebook to join or contact the Billy Van Museum and book. Uh, it's a group. It's a page on Facebook, and I respond to it like lightning. Um, so drop me a line. So wh- here's here's how it works: Sundays four to six p.m., Tuesdays eight to ten p.m., Thursdays eight to ten p.m. Contact me to book a reservation. Uh, up to four people. That's what I can seat, and then uh, it's a half hour presentation. And you can contact me at billyvanfan at gmail dot com. You can join the Facebook group at Billy Van Museum and Book. And BillyVan.ca goes live this weekend. So that'll actually be the easiest way. Stacy, he, he he was not a Hamiltonian. Um, no. Kind of is, though, honorary as a Hamiltonian, I, I right? I would say a complete honorary Hamiltonian. Yeah, it you is. Know, he, he, he loved it. He loved working here. Uh, he was on the party game for 11 years. He, he commuted to Hamilton for 11 years. It's, he loved it here. It's a great story. It's a great. Uh, it's a, there's a great background here, and uh, one of the underappreciated folks who's contributed to this city and to the the culture. I mean, again, hilarious House of Frightenstein. If you are of a certain vintage, guaranteed you watch that show. Even if you were completely confused by it, you probably watch that show. <laughs> uh, Stacy Case, really, really appreciate you taking some time today to do this. Appreciate right it. on BillyVan.ca. Thank you so much. That is. Um, I'm hoping somehow that one of these days that it's back on the air. Somebody finds a way to get those shows back up. There is enough, there are enough channels and there's enough filler and visual poop that is being shown on those channels. Surely we can come up with something, even CHCH. Hello, CHCH. Somehow get the rights and show it again at two in the morning even. Because you know what? That's when people will actually watch it now. This is the kind of thing you would see at two in the morning. Got to get it back on there somehow. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.